0: I did. I lost audio on you, Paul. Uh-huh. Hmm. Where did you go, buddy? No, I got audio, but I, I don't have audio on you. Somehow you were really, really low for a second. And then I, then I absolutely just lost audio on you. It says joined by web browser. That's right. I made you moderator. You're not muted. There you Paul, you're not muted, buddy. I don't know. Your audio went out. I got you. Yeah, your your audio is out for some reason. Let me let me try something here. I, I don't think that One second. I'm not quite. Sh- All right. I got you, I got you up there, buddy, but I can't hear you. You there? Mm-mm-mm. let me I can't uh... I'm typing into you real quick Paul Your audio died.
1: <clears throat> hmm <clears throat>
0: sound beautiful now (laughs) you've got paul you've got on your um hang on you've got on your connection there means to if you look on your screen you you now have the ability to smash the video icon to where it'll kick your cam on
2: ah okay got it
0: yeah there you go Brilliant.
2: There
0: let, we me, are. let me let me pin you. Hang on one second. Ready
2: to rock and
0: roll, bro. I absolutely love you. You know that, <laughs> Mike. Ki- uh, dude, Mike. Uh, I've got Matthew, my boy. We have literally washed damn near every single thing you have got. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, my little dude is like all over paul wallace he's like loves just loves you dude i'm like he's a great guy man. so oh yeah you, you're like one of his favorite dudes <laughs> let me uh you can see my nope your audio killed died bro can you hear me yeah your audio died I have audio, you do not Paul, are you on Wi-Fi out of curiosity? I wonder what the hell. Um just to make sure that it's not you. Ha- hang on. Don't don't go nowhere. Don't go nowhere. all right Uh, no it's it's not that fun um i got an idea there's a call okay i got i got an idea there is a wheel uh that looks like a little cog in that screen okay uh see if you can click it and and test your audio setting make sure that it the, that the software is seeing your microphone it should be i uh i think that it's there um no it's the three there there's three little dots hang on i'll show you all right you should be able to see my screen okay so there, there there's three there's three dots right below your right below my name that says more And you can click settings there. something just muted how do you mean in settings seems to be on yes it's very It's registering my voice and the levels are responding to your voice hmm a window told you that you were muted um hang on let me mm-hmm I just I just made it unmute everybody and you have access to to do everything um I'm trying to read your lips. (laughs) If you go out, I know this is stupid, but if you go out and come back in, will will it kick audio on? I don't know. me now i can hear you now
2: okay so this is where we got before and then after a few seconds a little window suddenly popped up and said you are muted so it's all the shit you've been
0: talking about the gods you're you're, no. you're...
2: <laughs> <I'm> setting people <laughs> yeah they're
0: right they're angry with you i don't all right well no i i had this specific uh this specific little chat set for one hour testing for one hour just to try this so that may be what it is because i haven't actually told the studio usually uh, in the interview i usually set for set it for two hours and i usually go for about an hour and 45 minutes um i'm not quite sure that that's it because i've this this specific room has already reached an hour i'm not sure if that's it or not paul
2: hmm. it was strange but it was obviously something that the software suddenly did okay. that uh, that changed me from being audible to not audible hmm. so but you can hear me now
0: yeah buddy you sound you sound nice and loud nice clear all right very clear yeah
2: all right well um I've got about an hour and 10 minutes, if that's good for you.
0: Yes. Yes. I'll take it.
2: All right.
0: Uh, we'll take it. Give, give me a um, let, let me. uh.
2: I'd like to go for longer, but we have other things scheduled for today.
0: That's fine. That's absolutely fine. Let me. uh. I, I'm going to. Everybody on my show. Everybody on the Matrix already knows who you are. I However, I'm going you know, it, to. It's literally. We're going to discuss your latest, uh, The Eden Conspiracy. Uh, Great. You've got something going on. I've got, I'll show you what I've got here already. Uh, you've got something going on. Everybody will realize that. So let me show All you right. real quick. You see the screen, right?
2: That's it. Nice. All right, so
0: I will share with everybody um, the Paul Wallace channel, right? Let them know of the Eden series, Escaping, Scars, Echoes. Uh, where to find the fifth kind TV. Beautiful. Um, you know. Yeah, man. We're on it.
2: Awesome. Thank you, Matthew.
0: No problem, buddy.
2: And you must say hello to your son for me. And uh, thanks for his enthusiastic support. And it's quite oh. so nice when you can, you know, have a family conversation about these things. Not uh, not everybody has that opportunity.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, dude, Matthew Jr. loves you. He really does. You have helped him um, break out of that. I, I've been teaching him, you know, the how to... Ta- we'll talk about all that, trust me, because there's other right. people that's got kids that... Yep. Yeah, so you Great. can hear this.
2: I'm happy, happy to talk about that. Can you hear that? I can only hear your voice.
0: Only hear my voice, okay. Okay. Uh, um uh, hang on sharing share my screen uh entire window and audio all right
2: there we are yes. i can hear it now all right That's
0: good. good 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 all right all right paul hang tight buddy i'm gonna run over to the uh all right we'll, uh, we'll get this going i need to pin you real quick hang on there we are make sure You're there, yeah. You're all right. We're. I'm pressing the go
1: button.
0: Uh, Give me a minute here to share this into a into the group here. Hiya. What's up, everybody? Friday night. Friday night. Discussion, interview. I say just discussion. I, I'm calling this coffee with my buddy Paul, Mr. Paul Wallace. I'm going to tell you what, it's going to be an interesting, interesting night. I've only, got, I've only got Paul for a little while. Everybody's going, got some things going on, no doubt. But I'm going to, we are going to just hammer him with all kinds of questions right roll off the bat. The Eden Conspiracy. This is the genesis was the, the creation. You guys know him here on The Matrix. He is a friend. He is a great, he is an international best-selling author. He's got a series you guys are very much well aware of here on this show. He's got the Eden series. That series consists of a number, and I do mean a number of different books. Everything from Escaping from Eden, The Scars of Eden, The Echoes of Eden, and now that working on the cons- well he's already got the conspiracy of Eden, and he's got another book up his sleeve. Brainiacs, don't go anywhere. You are not going to want to miss this broadcast. This podcast. Share this all over the all over the place. Let's get it done, man. On the other side, there's my friend, Mister Paul Anthony Ross. What do you say, Brainiacs? You guys ready? Hopefully, I still got you. It's time. Paul, just say hello.
2: Good G'day, Matthew. It's great to Slow be with you. My brains. Oh, okay, cool. You okay? I
0: was That's just right. making damn sure you had audio, bro. It's That's all. It's Matrix
2: time. All right, and it's
0: like go time. All right, after this fiasco, it, it, it'd be you, you and me, man. Okay. Welcome aboard, everybody. You can't forget to say hello to my boy, dude, because he, go. he no. will be That's off the sh- rails, man. <laughs> We're going to talk about ufology, conspiracy, controversy, and anything and everything. Then we can get in there tonight. Let's go.
1: (coughs) Hey, Matt. Yeah, Maybe. baby!
0: Yeah! Wave the ball. Hang on, hang on, baby. <laughs> there you go.
2: There, wave the ball.
1: Get up, right?
2: <laughs> yeah! Okay. I can't see on the sky. I can see it. I can see a body. Yeah, Hello, Matthew Jr. Great to meet you. Let <laughs> me see your face there. What's up, man? Hi, Matthew. Nice to yeah, meet you. All right. So Good years. on you. Oh. Buckle up, everybody. you
1: board.
0: Yeah, brainiacs no doubt about it what's up everybody on the other side of this i got my buddy mr paul wallace unmuted again i've only got him for so long so we're gonna just like cut to the chase and say i am so glad that you're with me paul
2: g'day matthew it's great to be with you again and uh g'day also to matthew jr who is just uh off camera to the side there so it's great (laughs) to be with you both
0: he was. He's like. He's like. He's like. You got. You got. Know, Paul old man. I said. He's like that. I was like, yeah. I's I Paul's with this, bro. He's. He's busy. He's really. You got some things going on. Again, I did not mean to. Like, uh, time. I don't know. Time. Date. You guys had something come up anyway.
2: I'm well, excited will,
0: to talk with you.
2: We will make the most of the hour that we have, and just just to follow on from our greetings just now, it's such. A wonderful thing isn't it when you can have conversations about the kind of topics we're into within your family because so many people are isolated when they switch on to these kind of topics but to be able to talk father and son about these things and as i do with my kids Mm. we are so blessed we're so lucky to have that aren't we
0: that we are we talk about that a lot on our our podcast our 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 just channel here and um And I've noticed other, other broadcasts do the same thing. Right. And they talk about being, like I said, being isolated. My Well, my, my wife don't do it. My, my, yep. you know, not, they're not into yep. it. Oh man, dude, I could not, your wife, thank God, dude, you're you're an author of some very controversial conspiratorial stuff. And you got one hell of a supporting wife and and it's, it's, it's amazing.
2: man. It's amazing how that happened because, uh, Probably as a lot of uh, people listening in today know, my background is in Christian ministry. So mm-hmm. my wife and I were in that world for many years. And then I started a deeper level of research into the root meanings of keywords, and it totally radicalized my worldview. And by an amazing coincidence, my wife was also on a rapid journey of unlearning and relearning all of her own it wasn't because she was studying Hebrew texts with me she was studying something completely different she started listening to people with near-death experiences and from month to month we would come together from uh, time to time and say do you know i've been thinking this i've been wondering about this and we'd realize we were on absolutely parallel tracks as our worldviews changed so uh, i'm very lucky to have that
0: that again that is a key thing to make that will especially today that will make it or break it in a marriage i'm just t- i'm just saying that you see it a lot the wife the wife believes this the husband doesn't support that it's vice versa and you're like and again man i i'm lucky you're lucky a lot of these guys up here in the chat we're all blessed to have that support yes <clears throat> let let me let's for those that don't know your background Paul, I, I'm I want to share right real quick because we I want to let everybody know that we have been having problems with your audio. It, it's not it's for some reason. But, so if you go bye bye, if you go bye bye, you go bye bye. I want I want to share real quick um, this screen, okay? Which is your latest your latest baby, and that is the conspiracy, the Eden conspiracy.
2: That's right. Give
0: us a rundown, Paul, of what is smashed into this book would you just give me give everybody a rundown
2: sure well uh, what i'm known for is arguing for paleo contact that's the theory that our ancestors had contact with et visitors in the deep past that we even colonized in the deep past that our ancestors may have been adapted by our visitors in the deep past I come from a background in christian ministry and i've reached these conclusions through study of the biblical texts and the source narratives and what i argue is that the knowledge of paleo contact is embedded in the bible itself as well as in world mythology indigenous narratives all around the world and in the eden conspiracy i show that the bible has enshrined this memory of paleocontact, the memory of contact with many different kinds of entity. And then in certain books of the Bible, from the prophet Jeremiah through to one and two kings, uh, through to the book of Ezra, it actually records the process by which the narrative was changed. And those running the show shifted the narrative from one of paleocontact to one of Yahwist monotheism. And so today, when people read the Bible, they think they're handling a book that's all about God. And certainly God and the idea of God is in the book. But the earliest stories, I argue, are about something completely different. They are about contact with other species. And the changing of that narrative is recorded for us through the books of the Bible themselves, if you read it closely enough.
0: No, you... I, I want to be you you I know you gave me permission to like restream as long as get, you know giving, giving you credit and linking back to to the to your page or to your YouTube channel but I want these guys to do this on I, I, on their own I truly truly want to give them a lot like you give them breadcrumbs and say don't just believe what I'm sharing you and 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 everything's in the book please do you and you're great good for that. Giving them tidbits and saying, don't just believe what I'm saying, but yeah. research what I'm saying.
2: That's and, exactly right. I and, mean, and, and I try not.
0: The Fifth Kind is a great channel. Uh, uh, your your own channel on YouTube is a, an amazing, the, the books, the books. I, oh, I, I can't imagine what all you put in it. I learned a lot about what you just said. The things that, the he, the root, the root of the words um uh you're the fellow that uh Mar is it mario maro bellino yes yeah a little bit of his background he was also a translator for the vatican correct and
2: yes he he translated uh interlinear translations for commentaries approved by the vatican and so his work was very very precise he would go to the original hebrew texts and rather than give an interpretation, just give a rendering word by word, line by line as to what was going on in the text. And he did this for the Edizioni San Paolo. He wrote 17 volumes for them. His work is highly credentialed, highly regarded. I had never heard of Maro when I wrote the first of my series, Escaping from Eden. And it was only as I was finishing off that book, I started hearing his name and I thought, oh, wow, this is great. There's this Italian scholar, very well regarded, whose knowledge of Hebrew cannot be faulted, and he has come to exactly the same conclusions that I have, that many of these stories are stories of paleocontact.
0: Those, those, I don't want to say gods, okay? Those entities, beings, these beings that, from heaven, from the heavens, space in which you came. Let's just go back to someone who I'm now like really. Even you, you're like Yahweh. Yahweh was not a good dude,
2: was he? No, that's right. And uh, the uh, that fact is actually spelled out for us in the scriptures, uh, but people get confused because we're used to hearing that word as if it is a name for Almighty God. But if you go to the prophet Jeremiah, when he describes Judaism as it was in the 7th and 8th centuries BCE, he says that the tribes of Israel of that time remembered with thanksgiving beings like Asherah, who had nurtured their ancestors in the past, but they remembered Yahweh very negatively. And they Mm -hmm. had thrown off his laws and they spoke very disparagingly of him. They thought he was a bad thing. Now, Jeremiah tells us this, there is the fact, there is the information. He says, Asher is honored on every high hill and under every green tree, from every fortified city to every garrison town. But then he adds, as it were, a little phrase of his own, isn't that awful? The moment the narrator says, isn't that awful, the reader feels they have to agree. But if you can separate Jeremiah's opinion of what was going on with his information about what was going on, he's just told us that in the 7th and 8th century BCE, Jewish memory was of many beings, and they remembered Yahweh as a violent, brutal conqueror who they did not enjoy being ruled by. You get to 1 Samuel 8, you get to the point where the elders of the tribes of Israel got rid of him. they said we don't want your governance any longer we're going to have human kings for human society so the whole story is there but there's a little bit of a spin of it spin on it that came in the final redaction as the narrator wanted to say commemoration of these other beings is idolatrous and worship of yahweh is good but that's just the top layer the final spin the information is still there as to what judaism was before that great reform
0: right the thing the thing i like the most about you is because my life and your life kind of go hand in hand for 30 some years i was a i i, I myself was was buried into that that narrative of it it is it is blasphemy to think of an outside of that box Right. I mean, I'm talking like yes. Southern yes. Pentecostal, Southern Pentecostal Church. And, and yeah, you know, what would help me to to break out of that, I call it the indoctrination of the spirit, is, is learning the things to go back to the root of the story. And I've learned that through you, learned that through your friend, the, your, the Vatican scholar, yeah. and, and uh, the other narrative. And this is the thing that I, I see catching on right now, Yes. People want to know, Paul. They want to
2: know. Oh, yes. There is an appetite, I think, on people right now that I've not seen in my lifetime before. And it's across the generations. Uh, Certainly, people from their 30s through to their 80s. I hear from people in those age ranges every week saying, I no longer believe what I did five years ago. I want to know what's really going on. I'm going back to the texts, I'm trying to find out (laughs) what is the reality of the world in which we live. And this is not something I've seen before, so I'm very excited to hear that. And it's a great time, therefore, to be broadcasting as you are, writing books as I am, because there is a public out there ready to engage with these questions and to find new and different answers. When, when
0: um whenever you whenever you first started to like really dig okay really 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 dig what kind of a shock <laughs> what kind of a shock was it to your system because i've got a yeah. lot of a lot of christian um diehard believers that it is the truth yes. to light the way and that is yeah. it you know but so seriously how how, how did all yeah. of
2: this happen for paul Well, I'll tell you, I actually think that Christian believers have a head start on everybody else in coming to terms with E.T. contact in the present and in the past. They have a head start because if they are confident of the teaching of Jesus, they will see that there is a contradiction between the morality that Jesus taught and the morality of the Elohim and of the Yahweh character in the Hebrew Scriptures. And that was the case for me. Uh, I knew all along from the time I became a Christian believer at the age of 17, uh, there was this incompatibility. And the more I studied theology, as I trained for the ministry and then I became a preacher and then I trained pastors in the interpretation of ancient texts, the Bible in particular, that incompatibility doesn't go away. You keep Mm -hmm. getting called back to it. You keep finding anomalies, things that don't fit. And so, for a long time, I knew there was something else going on in the Hebrew scriptures that I needed to drill down into. And then there are little clues that there are non human entities washing around in the text, such as in Genesis 6, where we're told about a hybridization that happened between these Bene Elohim, the ones like the powerful ones, and human females. It's it's a bizarre story all on its own. It's actually the summary form of a narrative in the book of Enoch, which you can find in the Ethiopian canon of the Bible, and it echoes in ancestral narratives all around the world. So I knew about that. But it was only a few years ago when I was really challenged by um, the colloquium that was convened by the Vatican, Uh, in 2009 now i'm not a roman catholic i work for the anglican church as an archdeacon that's one down from a bishop and i work for pentecostal churches and non-aligned charismatic churches so it's not like i hang on the words of every pope who comes along but i couldn't Mm -hmm. help noticing that it was very odd when in 2009 the most conservative pope in my lifetime convened this colloquium gathering of top theologians and scholars from around the world to discuss, and they made it public what they were talking about, the theological implications of contact with other civilizations. Mm-hmm. Great fanfare before, great fanfare afterwards. And the message was, there's no issue. We shouldn't be surprised to meet extraterrestrials. We should regard them as brother and sister aliens. Uh, It uh, shouldn't be a surprise because ETs are mentioned in the Old Testament and the New Testament, and if you didn't know they existed before, don't be shocked. It just means the Creator's been busier than you were aware. That was the message,
1: <laughs> right. and we
2: heard it from uh, Guy Consolmagno, the senior astronomer for the Vatican; Jose Gabriel Funes, the director of the Vatican Observatory; from Monsignor Carada Balducci, who is the Vatican senior advisor in paranormal ministry. They wanted this message out, and they wanted it out quite quickly. My impression was they were expecting some kind of a disclosure to be made by another authority. and They wanted to get in first to reassure the faithful that a populated universe is no threat to faith in Jesus. Mm. When they did that, I thought, okay, what's going on? And when the challenge was issued, when they said it's in the Old Testament and New Testament, I thought, okay, I'm going to do that work. I am going to go through the bible again having read it many many times because i thought could i really have missed something as glaring as aliens in the bible i thought maybe they're talking about genesis 6 the hybridization maybe they're thinking about this intriguing verse in john's gospel where jesus says i have others who are not of this fold what on earth did that mean but when i got into the texts When I started studying the root meanings of words commonly translated as God, so that's Elohim, Yahweh, El Elyon, El Shaddai, I began to realize there is an ET narrative in the Bible from start to finish, and that many of these entities who have been translated as God were something completely different. Mm
0: -hmm. The
2: moment I started reading using the root meanings, I recognized that the genesis stories and other old testament stories are in fact the summary form of the sumerian babylonian arcadian and assyrian stories and those stories are not religious texts they're not stories about god they're stories about sky people or what you and i would call extraterrestrials
0: paul that run right there growing up and you know you're not much older than me growing up in sunday school learning what we learned we all know and i talk about it a lot we, we were we we were never taught about lemuria lemuria or the days of thoth the atlantean so atlantis was completely out of it we never were taught about the sumerians no. we missed we missed three i i call them i i call them cycles we Completely missed out on three cycles. So we were only taught about the Babylonians and the Egyptians.
2: That's right. Well, I wasn't even taught about the Babylonians. I mean, you would think that uh civilization began with the Egyptians from the education school. Right. And then in church, of course, unfortunately, a lot of believers are encouraged to read the Bible in a bubble, never to read the source narratives from ancient Sumeria never to read the greek narratives which you can then find sewn into the bible as soon as you read the bible alongside other literature you realize it belongs in a family of literature full of stories of paleo contact and i think um, you know sometimes i hear from people who are uh, not very happy with what i'm saying and from time to time they'll say i read only the bible I hear that it a is, lot. That, that is not a boast. Um, I should say you should be ashamed of yourself. It doesn't matter <laughs> okay. how high a view you have of the Bible. You might read that as the infallible, inerrant word of God. But if your views can only survive, if you read it in a bubble and never read anything else, you ought to start asking serious questions. I think it comes from a theology Uh, rooted in some very negative, non-biblical doctrines that suggest there's no information outside of the Bible. Well, I'm sorry, but every time you go into hospital, you're acknowledging that's not the case. Every time you drive your car, you're acknowledging that's not the case. There is information outside of the Bible, and it corroborates many of the biblical stories. It supports (laughs) them and refines them, but it will also challenge many of the traditional translations and my job isn't to debunk the bible it's to understand it right i I am not out here to attack the authority of the bible i'm saying go back to the texts read them in the hebrew read them in the greek listen to what the writers really said because there is a richness of information there might challenge your orthodoxy might challenge your pet doctrines But that is the source you need to go to and read it from scratch. That's where you'll find this earth-shattering information.
0: But Paul, that right there is what the what what the the church didn't want years and years and years and years ago, centuries ago, right? They, I I I think the name was uh, Theodosius. Is that right? Theodosius, the emperor. Dude, you gotta remember the, the narrative that they were pushing for. The the you know the the Judeo Christian Orthodox whatever whatever they were put it, it was their way or the highway literally. That's Tell right. Tell the story about that. Tell please for, by yeah, all means.
2: For sure. So you know you use the phrase the Judeo Christian view and people immediately mm-hmm. think oh I know what that is. They that's know the... not what that is. <laughs> that's right. We think oh that's the the theology i was taught in church that's mainstream orthodoxy and we forget that in the beginning christianity was a kaleidoscope of texts and doctrines and ideas and experiences and then there was a process of narrowing down so there were debates in which it was decided which church fathers were right and which were wrong which texts would go into the new testament canon and which wouldn't and that's fine you would expect that to happen that happens in every religion but things really ratcheted up in the uh, 380s when emperor theodosius decided he needed to weigh in on a theological debate and settle some issues now when he did that two things happened firstly it confirmed to everybody the feudal order that christianity had now been sucked into Because when he did that, he concretized a system where you've got God at the top alongside the emperor. And then you've got the bishops and the senators in the middle. And then at the bottom of society, you've got the priests and the people meekly paying, praying and obeying. And you've got this top-down structure where the believers are told what is right and wrong. They're told what's gonna be in the Bible. They're told what is Christian doctrine and what is heresy. And that's the first thing that happens. So effectively, the empire has hijacked Christianity. And in the artistic canon, you can see that happening as well, where Jesus is now portrayed in Roman military uniform, which means he's actually under the authority of the emperor, endorsing all the emperor's wars. Of course, that began with the emperor Constantine, who uh, asked his historian to rewrite the history of uh, the um, Battle of the Milvian Bridge in such a way that Jesus is endorsing the battle and endorsing Constantine's victory. It's told as the story of Constantine becoming a Christian. It's really the story of Jesus becoming a Roman because he's now going to endorse every imperial battle from then on in. So that's all part of this pyramid structure concretized by Emperor Theodosius. But the other thing that happened was this but if you didn't hold to that narrow orthodoxy if you were still reading the gospel of thomas for instance or if you were still reading the books written by marcion or the unedited works of origen the father of hermeneutics now you're an enemy of the state because right. you were attacking the the uh, order and the cohesion of the imperial department of religion their and narrative This was understood so clearly that you couldn't contradict that narrative, that the texts that didn't make it into the canon of which Theodosius approved were buried in the desert to prevent them from being destroyed. And some of those texts didn't see the light of day again until the 1940s. So that's from 381 AD until the 1940s, buried to protect those texts from being destroyed. Now we can go back and read them and remember, oh my goodness, in the beginning, Christianity was this kaleidoscope of experiences and ideas, and it included affirmations of paleo contact, of contact in the present, of um, altered states of consciousness as a way of expanding our cognitive powers. Oh my goodness, it was a far more interesting picture in the beginning. And one of the things I hope people will do after they've read the Eden series is go back to the original Christian texts and realize that Jesus himself was hijacked by the empire and turned into a narrative of control and manipulation and fear of hell and hope of heaven. This is a total distortion of the original Jesus. And When we learn to reread the texts, other than through the lens of imperial religion, which we now simply call evangelicalism or orthodoxy or catholicism then an altogether more exciting jesus emerges when you go to the right Reefman's texts it's an exploration an invitation to explore more exciting than anything i could imagine
0: i now look at him as i i don't look him as well you know i can't even say a savior through truly he is but on a completely different level okay he's not he the the yes. word jesus to me now. Is like oh my god, this dude literally questioned the narrative and was trying to, to it wasn't trying to save your soul, but it was trying to enlighten you to, to there might you know the the main phrase is my father's kingdom has many rooms or uh, what is it uh, yes. in, in yes. My, uh, you know what I'm saying that that my specific has
2: many rooms yes that's right bingo,
0: to me after reading it learning it studying it I now know that. W- We are not alone, Paul. No.
2: No, we're not alone. We're not alone. And our ancestors knew this. Uh, Right. The Jewish people knew this. The tribes of Israel knew this. King Solomon knew this. This is why King Solomon not only erected the temple to Yahweh, but he erected the temple to Asherah and paid the priesthoods commemorating other powerful entities who had had a positive impact on the human story so it was known and it was part of the biblical knowledge i have found in my research uh, for the eden series that these stories are in every culture on every continent in every age and so it's really exciting rediscovering these and peeling back the layers of assumption and doctrine and realizing there's a whole exciting universe waiting to be engaged with here you and I don't see it as to question it
0: Christian or not label yourself as a Christian, label yourself as whatever you want to. I, I, I myself am just me. I am Matthew, right? You were, you are not Paul Wallace. You were not, you don't, you're not in that box, but yet, uh, you still believe you still, I still believe in a source Yes. because even my D even like, like, you know, I, 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 I love Eric and Vendonican. I love Eric too. And, and he was the one with um, that probably was the, the tip of the spear for me when knowing and learning, Oh my God, you know, there's more to this place than when with the chariots of the gods. Okay. That was yes. the, that was probably the, the icing on the cake. Okay. For me long time ago, a while back. And, to now know that, and a lot of people don't know this, that NASA themselves have got patents on a damn wheel, right, that is in representation. <laughs> you ah, yes,
2: from the book of Ezekiel. Yes. Yep. And they <laughs> use that wheel. They use that wheel. It's the omnidirectional wheel patented in 1974 by Josef Blumrich because he, <laughs> as a skeptic, went to the book of Ezekiel. He was challenged by Eric von Daniken, who had been invited to come and speak (laughs) to the advanced Propulsions unit of NASA. Right. And uh, at the uh, refreshments table afterwards, Josef Blumich, who was a senior developmental engineer for NASA, he said to Eric von Daniken, I really don't think you're gonna find technology in the Bible. The Bible's a spiritual text. You're looking in the Mm -hmm. wrong place. And Eric said, have you read the book of Ezekiel lately? (laughs) Yosef said, well, actually, no, I haven't. So he went away and did it with an engineer's mind. And he started drawing up schematics of what Ezekiel describes. And he realized full well, it was technology. He wrote a book that argued it was extraterrestrial technology. He gets into the descriptions of the pilot and points out that in the Hebrew, Ezekiel calls him a human like life form. Well, that gets sort of softened in translation. That's touchy, ain't it? And then he slaps a patent on the omnidirectional wheel, which is still used on remote rovers by NASA to this very day. And Ezekiel is just one moment where technology turns up. And the problem is that we've had 2,000 years of translators. Uh, who for much of that time had no technological grid in mind when they came to those texts they just like joseph thought these are spiritual texts reporting spiritual phenomena we will use spiritual language but the great gift of the bible is we still have the hebrew text to go back to
1: mm-hmm. and we can
2: go to the root meanings and we can hear about this uh, pillar with fire and smoke that launches and lands vertically and say i think i've seen something like that or we can see something that uh, flies using rotor blades i think i've seen something like that when the noise of the engine is described it sounds like a waterfall yes you're absolutely right i've seen the space shuttle launch and yes it sounds like a waterfall there's plenty of technology that the modern mind can recognize we can read the arrival and departure of powerful beings and say, hang on, that's just described a wormhole. That's just described Mm -hmm. a portal. We have the opportunity to go back to the texts, listen to the ancients and realize they're telling us about a very interesting period in human history when we were observing technology that was not our own and we were being governed by beings who were not our own. And all this I open up in the pages of the Eden conspiracy and the other Eden books
0: oh bro I gotta grab it no doubt I, I told you the mo- the mo- it's Christmas I've got to give myself something so <laughs> I'm telling you bro that's on my list great G- going back I- these guys know I I share a lot we we if you are not familiar with what is called 360cities.net have you have you pl- played with that yet I let me let me introduce you to my world okay you're you're gonna want you're gonna want to see this i'm gonna <laughs> share this with you because this we share this a lot here okay so you're gonna paul you're gonna want to bookmark this i'm okay. telling you you're gonna want to bookmark this i'm gonna sh- just share this with everybody and you so we all know uh, the, the the most famous place right is uh luxor temple right we're all familiar with luxor temple even paul paul's paul's very familiar with it, right so they everybody can see what we're seeing paul right mm-hmm. so they can see you with you and i these fellows here right these big guys right here I am very, 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 very aware that these to me, to me, these are Nethlehem. These are giants. Okay. Yes. Yes. Now, over here, what I want your input on is this big guy over here, this real ugly fellow with no face. Yes. Do you see that? Yep. Remember, 360cities.net. Okay. Because I, 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 Want you to this will indeed help you in your research with trying to like look around at things that they have buried, things that, and you can like literally just walk around all of these magnificent megalithic structures. I'm talking firsthand, look at them, read them. I see in my eyes, Paul, okay, massive, massive major technology. You see that little hole right there, Paul? Yes. Okay. Look out! Look! Look how straight this, these, these are. Yes. A human being, a human being, Paul. Whenever they sit there, is literally only comes half to the middle of this block. These are massive stones, Paul. Have you been to Egypt? I have many years ago. All right. So these things, you, you your own self know, these are massive, massive that we ourselves, even till this day, could not do, could we?
2: Yep. The crazy thing, when you go to Egypt and you're taken to some of these sites, the anomaly is that the more sophisticated stone cutting uh, and the larger blocks are all earlier older so right yeah they're older and so you will see what we know of ancient egypt and then you'll see stuff that's been cut with diamond grade precision i mean we would use diamond grade cutting materials to do cutting like that today and we'd still have a problem with moving the blocks around right you ask well how did they do that and the guides will say oh that's pre-dynastic well what does that mean what does pre-dynastic mean well, we mm-hmm. don't know much about them. Who were the pre-dynastic Egyptians? If you research that, you'll be told that they were farmers. Gatherers. Hunter gathering, a bit of, uh, bit mm-hmm. of farming. Mm-hmm. So where is the origin story for this technology? And why is there no evolution towards that technology? And where's all the equipment they used? So it's a huge mystery. It echoes around the world. If you go to Central and South America, you'll be asking the same question. Why is the earlier work more impressive and more precise? And where's the technology that did that? You can go to Turkey, to Anatolia, to ancient Armenia. Exactly the same pattern where you've got these larger, more precisely cut blocks below water level at a level that would be above water no more recently than 10,000 years ago. So this is a global question. And then you pointed to the the bloke with no face and then Mm -hmm. the size of the figures. Again, this is a global question. Why are the ancient rulers portrayed as being three times the size of the human beings who are serving them? Did they really all come up with the same um Sort of symbology? Is it really just expressing importance? When we see Gilgamesh carrying Ooh. a full grown lion, uh, and the lion is on the scale of a lap cat, and Gilgamesh is five meters tall, the guides again will tell you, well, this is to tell you how impressive he was. This is to tell yeah. you how important yeah, no he was.
0: Paul, you and I know that, that back in that day, okay, I'm trying to watch the clock here. You and I know that back in that day, That if you or I, as a sculptor, as an architect, did not, you know, did not portray the God or the deity, Yahweh, the way that he was, you'd probably lose your head.
2: And the picture you showed was really a a fantastic illustration, Matthew, because over here we've got uh, someone who looks very human. And then right next to him is someone who doesn't. Uh, And you can find that all through Egyptian art. So how is it that we can say, well, that is an accurate depiction of Akhenaten and the person standing next to him uh, with a dog head, that's symbology. Oh, okay, and how do you know this? Well, it must be. And here's a point where our worldview and what we've been taught starts telling us what we're seeing rather than we look at what we've got and then interpret it. And as soon as you compare this art with art from um, Mesoamerica, art from uh, the Fertile Crescent, you have to ask, wait a minute, these things correlate. Things are being portrayed in exactly the same way. All Mm -hmm. these very, very tall beings have a handbag or a bowl and a pine cone with them. So what does that mean? If it's symbology, what does it represent? But the idea that we can say, take this as literal, take this as symbolic, take this one as literal, take this one as metaphor, we really need to start challenging.
0: Look at that. Look at this, Paul. This is Nefertiti. Okay. Look. Look at. Look at. She. She is below the knee, below the kneecap of this figure.
2: Yes. Exactly. And if it was all about importance, you would not be allowed to portray Nefertiti at that height compared to no, the other beings. No, sir. She was at the top no, of the sir. tree.
0: Mm-hmm. There is something that I've wanted to share with you quite some time that I don't have time to dig for it right now. Um, but I will, I want you to, I want your expertise and I want your eyes on this. I've shared this quite a bit here on the show. And that is, there is a depiction of you. You and I both know the names and of the lineage. The you know the names, how the names have changed throughout history. His story, mm-hmm. the narrative, the agenda. There is a depiction on I cannot remember which temple wall it is that one of the larger deities. Okay, we you and I now we you, we know where is Isis. Okay. Mm-hmm she is literally showing um and everybody again knows that i've shared this of a little of a little bowl right she's holding holding a bowl with some kind of a are you you're shaking your head are you aware of what i'm sharing here oh no i'm excited you keep going all right well i'm telling you right now it you watch your inbox because it's stages of creation mm. all right. so if this ever hits big You and I together will point this out to the world. On the wall, out of sight, there is a hieroglyphic that shows Isis. She is turned over to a, a deity, a figure, and he is giving her something, okay? She is taking it in one hieroglyphic, and in the next, again, she is taking a syringe, And sticking it in a cup, Paul. And the next hieroglyphic, you see steam or some kind of significance of life or creation, right? Yes. And the next thing you know, you see this little spaceship. I swear to God, you see this little spaceship. Okay. And then, and then in her hand, in the very next hieroglyphic, you got the figure of a man crawling out of her hand.
2: You can't yes. make this up, Paul. Yes, it's, it's no, you can't make it up. You can't make it up. And it correlates with other images and other stories all around the world. In the Eden Conspiracy, I talk about a story from Papua New Guinea, uh, where the story is enshrined in the numbers one to five. And when you go to the root meanings of the numbers one to five, It talks about people coming, interacting, and then they've got this symbol for a needle and a vessel. What you just said, hypodermic.
0: Here it is, buddy. And then then they
2: return. So it's spelled out in the numbers one to five. It's spelled out in the hieroglyphics. The bowl represents technology, medication, genetic work genetic adaptation Uh, so i think yes bingo with what you've just said that is the story you can find it in egypt you can find it in turkey you can find it in papua new guinea you can find it in guatemala this is the ancient knowledge and this is the recollection of the story of the beginnings of human civilization as we know it these very tall advanced beings came and adapted our ancestors it is there no. in Gen- it, there in genesis 3 is there in plato and the early church fathers i mentioned before loved plato they had no problem with his teaching about human origins and uh, i think the more we find these symbols portrayed around the world the more we have to realize we are being told something incredibly important about human origins that relates to these very advanced, very large beings, who vestiges of whose presence we can find in terms of gigantic steps, gigantic thrones, such as you were pointing out earlier. You see it. I know you see it, right? Yes, that's right.
0: Paul, I I, I the thing that I also want to point out to you to everyone else is is these these deities these gods these whatever they wanted themselves to be portrayed as right they've got more than one thing in common with you and i but whenever they look at these massive statues i want them to really really realize that they've got a belly button just like you and i <laughs>
2: yes that's right that's right They're, they've got They're a are, belly button. they are people they may be more advanced they may be from somewhere else (laughs) but they are people and their stories are very often told that way when you read the ancient texts, you're not going to find the word alien you're not going to find the word extraterrestrial they are people but some of our texts will tell you where these people came from some of our archaeology will suggest where they came from and in the eden conspiracy I talk about Asherah, who's also very large. She could mm-hmm. hold a full-grown lion like a lap cat. And finds have been made particularly in Tel El Farah in the Levant, uh, a site that's been excavated since the 1940s, that strongly suggest the Pleiades as the point of origin, point of origin of some of these people who came mm-hmm. and helped our ancestors in the deep past. Now, what you've just been talking about, Matthew, is where I'm going next. In the Eden series. So far, we've had Escaping from Eden, The Scars of Eden, Echoes of Eden, The Eden Conspiracy. In the next book, Title Revealed Just After Christmas, I will be going to some archaeology in Anatolia. I'll be going there with my Uh friend uh, Matthew LaCroix, and we will be looking at particular finds. Brian. Foster will be joining us. Billy Carson will be joining us because there's some really important archeological finds that finesse the story you and I have just been telling. So that is all to come. And there will be a movie production of that work. Excellent. Very soon. We are in pre-production, if I can put it that way at this stage. So
0: Brian's always busy. Anytime I ever try to go, I mean, I, I talk to Brian. So tell him that Matthew from the Matrix says hello and, and next year, whenever he's not I'll do that. doing it, he's, he's busy.
2: I'm actually having my first face to face conversation with Brian Wednesday okay. coming. So I'm really he owes excited me, man. about that. He owes me. He's
0: been, I mean, we we talked. We talked. He's like, you know, it, it, the way, what what I've, what I've told my son and a lot of other people here, even last week, I've told him, I'm like, I hope nothing happens to you or anybody else that's really, really, really exposing these these archaeological, anthropologist type stuff that nobody wants to talk about. Because some, I don't know if you're aware of a, a fellow by the name of um, Damon T. Berry. Do you know of Damon T. Berry? He no, came I do not think so. I'll share him his stuff with you a little later. In in you can dig whenever you want. But Damon started digging and producing. He produced eight series of movies, right? And mm-hmm. he must have been going a little too over target because I'm going to tell you, the last person to interview him was Jimmy Church from Fade to Black, and yes. he fell off. He's fell off the face planet. I mean, he's gone. He, he,
2: oh, un- that's that is very sad. I yes, uh, people do occasionally say to me, Paul, you're over the target. I think you need so, to be but careful. you need to be you, careful, you... but on the other hand, so much is out there at the moment um, because of the stout between the Pentagon and Congress that I think there's more scope at present than there's been for a very, very long time to discuss these things. I mean, certainly people will still be offended. Certainly you'll still have uh, academic Uh, mainstreamers coming against new thought but I actually think there's more scope to explore right now than I've seen in my lifetime before. I can talk about a populated universe without being burned at the stake. Right. So if I don't uh, make the very most of that opportunity then I would be ashamed of myself. So uh, I I take what you're saying, I take what you're saying, but I think now is a time for uncovering things. Now is a time for expanding what we know. And there are people in authority. It's not that every uh, person in the Pentagon thinks the same thing, or everyone in Congress thinks the same thing, or everyone in the Vatican thinks the same thing. These are all communities of people and there are people who are agitating for more disclosure and more exploration. And I say, while that's the case. Let's push ahead.
0: Well, in, in closing here, Paul, cause I'm, I'm going to, we'll, we'll limit you, give you an hour, an hour was plenty of time with you. Thank I want to, I, I, I want to say this before closing is re- re- for everybody to remember, even in Paul knows this, the Pentagon is there's, there's people in the Pentagon that has went to Congress and they're trying, they're trying to get it out. Am I right or wrong, Paul? Yes, they're you trying. are right.
2: You are right. I believe Thomas Monheim, who is the inspector general of the intelligence community is in a forward leaning position in terms of more disclosure. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got people like Chris Mellon who can leak, uh, Pentagon footage of contact he hasn't fallen off the face of the planet right he he is an ally in terms of those of us who want more disclosure the fact that that hearing was allowed even to happen on July 26 of this year publicly is a huge coup so I think we need to celebrate all those I think the physicists who are being allowed to brief the press saying that they are working on metamaterials From UFO retrievals. Jack Vallee has spoken publicly about this many times now, and so has uh, his colleague Eric Davis. Gary Nolan, when he's asked the right questions, will reveal quite a lot about that program as well. And no consequences, they haven't fallen off the planet. So, Yes, there are always going to be boundaries, and uh, I'm always uh, aware that Men in Black might suddenly turn up at my door one morning with a quiet word. Uh, but at the moment, there is more scope to unveil these things than I've seen in my whole lifetime, and I want to make the absolute most of that.
0: Well, I want you to stay around. You're my. You are. I'm telling you right now. You are. You are one of my favorite people. Because oh, thanks,
2: Matthew.
0: you are, you are literally. Uh, when it comes to this, uh, you you are doing what I want to do. I'm t- I'm telling you right now. I, well, very look, loud Matthew, we on. are
2: we are all on the same team because you are getting this information out there as well. You've created a space where people can ask questions and explore territory that they couldn't at school or they wouldn't find in their local library. So we're all on the same team in terms of making conversations like these more and more mainstream and the more we can do that and really dispense with old attitudes of giggle factor ridicule factor or even fear factor the more convinced we will become that we are in a populated universe and one where we don't need to move around in terror we may have visitors who are not very nice but we also have company who are here to support the progress of the human story and I think this is a time when we need to engage more intelligently with that. Me too. Paul,
0: nobody, you, at this point, you're not even really an interview. You're just a friend here on the Matrix. <laughs> nobody comes to this show without saying something positive to everybody around the world. Please give somebody some, some good input, some good, your your heart. And then I'll go ahead and cut you cut you loose on the hour. But thank All you right. for being with me, bro.
2: couple of things. The message that Jesus toured with um, for the first year of his ministry, according to Matthew, if you go to the root meanings of the words he uses, he says, go beyond the mind because the whole cosmic realm is available to you. And I think that's a wonderful invitation to explore, to explore who we are, what company we have, to explore what's possible. And I am also excited when I read, original christian literature like the gospel of thomas like some of the other texts that didn't quite make it into the canon and they talk about the need to be and you'll find this in the stories of archons the need to be very deliberate about your emotional state don't let yourself become frustrated go into a funk don't let that happen to friends of yours because if you can be intentional about the energy you put into the world around you It will bounce back to you if every morning before you get out of bed before you leave the front door you make a decision about injecting positive energy into all your interactions that will bounce back to you and it's when we are in uh, that happier frame of mind (coughs) we can think think more freely that we're less prone to being manipulated that we can think more creatively think fresh things come to new ideas new conclusions and conclusions that can really free up the way you live and lead to a more expansive and enjoyable life so that's my closing message
0: again buddy thank you i appreciate you take care of yourself take care of that gorgeous wife and we look forward to hearing what's going on what's coming out
2: the next book i used to give me a date give me
0: the give me a date when are you when's Yes, to, when it
2: com- be- beginning of April, the next Eden book is out there. If you go to Amazon and Kindle, you'll find all the other Eden titles
0: okay. and
2: uh, catch up with those before number five comes out in April. Awesome. I will
0: link it. everybody in the description Great. of tonight's broadcast. Paul, take care of yourself. And thank you once again
2: for be- being with me, my friend. Thanks, Matthew. And thanks for helping me with mm-hmm. our tech issues. And I will look forward to our next conversation.
0: All right. Okay, take care of right. Bye. Bye. All righty, everybody. Mr. Paul Anthony Wallace with me here.
2: plus.